0: You're listening to The Central Cast, recorded each week in front of a live audience in Glendale, California.
1: A little while ago, um, a few of you asked me to speak on prayer sometime, and so today's the day (laughs) that we're going to do that. Uh, We're kind of in this weird time of year between advent and lent where i'm like every week thinking okay what am i what should i talk about this week (laughs) advent and lent uh are are always it's always helpful to be in those times of year because it's kind of predetermined what i should be doing but this time of year i'm like okay what do i talk about this week oh yeah people wanted to hear about prayer so that's what we're going to do today prayer is a difficult topic for a lot of us is it not now now that we are no longer, well, I assume you are no longer an evangelical if you're here. Um, You know, being this deconstructed, post-evangelical, progressive Christian, former Christian, whatever you call yourself now, um, makes prayer a complicated topic for us, I think. Um, Because we've changed the way that we think about God and understand God's power. In a very real way, you know, things were so much simpler and easier for us back then, right? Because we just, we didn't think about these things so much. Um, we just believed whatever our pastor said or whatever, the, whatever we were told the Bible said. It was easy, right? Prayer was easier then. Lots of things regarding our faith were easier then. Um, But those days are long gone, are they not? And that means a lot of us don't know what to think about prayer anymore. Myself included, often. So I've come up with what I think are some helpful ways of framing the matter and thinking about prayer for where we are at today in our spiritual journey. And in order to do that, and and I should preface this and say this is maybe more about where I'm at and maybe it's not where you're at. And obviously as part of our service every week, we have a discussion portion where I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. So I don't wanna present this as being like, here's where we're at. No, this is about really where I'm at and you're invited to be there too, obviously. But I wanna hear where you're at with all of this in a few minutes. And in order to share where I'm at with all this, I I wanna begin with critiquing certain understandings of prayer that just don't work for me and probably for a lot of you here anymore. And then I want to finish with an affirmation of prayer, okay? And I want to be positive about prayer, and I want to provide some ways of thinking about prayer that I think are, are healthy and good. Like many of you, I was raised to think of prayer as simply asking God for things. It's like ordering a pizza. <laughs> you just call up God, and you tell Him what you want, right? It's... This is called supplication, right? You, you make a request. Um, I was even taught that unless my prayers begin, very specifically with certain words, you know, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray or I ask, if, if you don't begin that way, then your prayers don't get through to God because you are, I was taught, you are an unholy person and the, the only way you have access to the Father is through Jesus. So your prayers need to begin, Dear Father, or Dear Heavenly Father in Jesus' name. It's as if I was taught that God has an email address, and it was you know, com or whatever. <laughs> or maybe .org. Heaven's probably more of an org than a, than a business, right? Um, but like an email address, I was taught if you don't get the address just right, if you don't pray in Jesus' name, then your prayers aren't gonna be answered, they're not gonna be heard. Um, This is what I was taught about prayer, and and all of this was part of a very problematic way of thinking about prayer. The other aspect that I um, believed was that unless we prayed, uh, unless we asked God for help or healing or relief, God just wouldn't do it. You had to ask, you had to pray or God wouldn't, wouldn't act in the world. He wouldn't come to the rescue. He wouldn't deliver. Um, God would allow all kinds of horrible things, I was taught. He would allow all kinds of horrible things to happen in the world and in my life unless I or someone else near me prayed. We believed that the reason why people got sick and died was because they didn't pray or because somebody didn't, somebody with faith didn't pray for them. This is a terrible idea, I think, that turns God into a kind of monster. It begs the question, if God is an all-powerful, all-knowing, and loving supreme being, then why does he need to be asked to, say, you know, heal a baby of cancer? What is that about? What kind of a person needs to even be asked to do something like that if it's within their power? You know, imagine if you saw a child about to, you know, wander out into the street and into moving traffic. You didn't do anything about it because nobody asked you to do anything about it. Or you were just too busy in the moment. Or they didn't ask, or maybe they asked you, but they, just didn't, they didn't ask you in the right way, right? They didn't say please or something. Well, what kind of a person would you be? And here we see the biggest problem with the traditional understanding of prayer. It turns God into a monster. The other aspect to traditional prayer that I find interesting is that there's a certain amount of unconscious doubt and unconscious unbelief to it. Peter Rollins puts it best when he says, you have to be a bit of an atheist to pray. He's great with those little subversive quips. You have to be a bit of an atheist to pray because to pray is to say that maybe God doesn't know what I need or maybe God's not going to act in the world and on my behalf and do what's just unless I ask. If we're honest, we have to admit that it it takes a certain amount of doubt or uncertainty or unbelief to pray in the way that we were raised, which, of course, isn't something that we could have admitted way back then but hindsight is always 2020. Because of these problems, I've, I've become convinced that the only way to resolve them, for me, and for probably many of us, is to disavow our belief in an all-powerful Supreme Being, or at least changing the way that we think of God's power. Maybe God's power isn't like magical superpowers, like we see on TV or something that can override the laws of nature. But maybe God's power works in and through natural processes. I don't know. Or maybe God's power is really the power of love and compassion and the virtues that we see exemplified in Jesus of Nazareth lived out in our lives and in our world. Maybe God's power is the power of love. Maybe that's what it means to say that God is all powerful. Because love, in a way, is the most powerful thing in the world. We can talk more about that if you want regarding how we define or understand God's power. I've just become convinced that in order to get away from the most troubling aspects of traditional prayer, I've, I've had to let go of this idea of an all-powerful, supreme being, kind of an anthropomorphic projection of God up there being like Superman, who can come to the rescue if I just ask the right way or pray with enough faith or quote the right scripture or something. Yeah, I've, I've had to get away from that. It doesn't work for me anymore. I've had to get away from my conceptions of power, God's power, superpowers. Okay, so th- those are my critiques of traditional prayer. And now I want to pivot and talk about what I still affirm and, and love about prayer. I still think that there, there is something meaningful and, and powerful about intercessory prayer. And by intercessory, I mean you know, interceding on someone else's behalf, you know, praying for others. There's lots of different kinds of prayer, right? Intercessory prayer is one kind. You know, Bob earlier came, was down here and um, read some liturgy that was a prayer. He wasn't asking God for anything. He was leading us, focusing us in prayer on certain ideas. It was more like a moment of meditation than any kind of supplication or intercessory, and, and intercession. right? That too is a kind of prayer, simply a kind of meditation, a way of focusing us collectively, you know, communally, on a particular idea. And that's beautiful. That's, that's another kind of prayer. But I want to talk about intercessory prayer for a moment here, because I still find that meaningful. Again, intercessory prayer means interceding on others' behalf, praying for others, in other words like we do here every week as part of our prayers of the people, where we have you come forward and we have prayer requests. I think there is something still meaningful and powerful about that for a few reasons. The the first of which is that I believe we live in a universe that is undergirded by mind and consciousness itself. I think science is increasingly showing that all of reality is minded or a product of mind. We're discovering more and more that mind and matter are not really separate things, but one thing, and that mind and thought courses through all aspects of reality, space and time. To to me and many others, this means that potentially prayer and and meditation, and prayer is a kind of meditation, I think, often, that prayer and meditation may be ways of, of concentrating, if you want to call it that, concentrating conscious energy in ways that perhaps are beneficial for us and the world. So maybe there's something metaphysical still about prayer. I'm open to that. I'm leaving the door open for that. But that aside, I think at the very least, let's talk about the very least thing we can say about prayer. At the very least, I think prayer is a unique way of caring for each other and ministering to each other. I'm, I'm reminded of a parable not from the Bible, it's a modern day parable. I've shared it before, you might remember this. There once was this little boy who was tucked into bed one night by his parents and his grandmother. And when it came time for the boy to say his prayers, he prayed, God, please bless mama and dada and grandma. And then he paused and shouted, and please get me a new red bicycle for my birthday. And his mom said, honey, why are, you, why are you shouting? God isn't deaf. He replied, I know, but grandma is. <laughs> I think if we're honest, we have to admit that prayer is often, in um, the way that it functions, it's, it's often about us. It's less of a communication between us and God and more about a communication uh, between us. In each other, and that's powerful. Prayer, I think, is often a way of ministering to each other. It's a way of bringing comfort to each other in inexplicable ways. It's it's a way of expressing a deeper form of solidarity with each other in the midst of our sufferings. This is powerful, and I don't think we should diminish that in any way. I, I think prayer is a way of bearing witness. I love that term. What does it mean to bear witness? To what's going on in someone's life, to really being present in a moment with somebody, to see them, to hear them, to bear witness. I think, I think often prayer is about bearing witness, and there's something I think really powerful and even therapeutic about that. I've, I've learned this as a hospice chaplain. Some of you don't know I'm a hospice chaplain on the side, and so much of that is about going into a space where someone is is dying and suffering. And just being present, just being there, bearing witness, that can be enormously, and it's a very simple thing, it can be enormously meaningful to that individual. This too is a kind of prayer. Bearing witness, being present in a moment of unspeakable suffering in someone's life this, too, is a kind of prayer. Um, therapists know all about this, too. And if you've ever been to therapy, and a lot of you have, um, that's what happens in therapy. You just sit there in front of somebody, and you share these intimate details of your life, and they bear witness. Jacques Lacan, the famous French analyst, described this as the gaze of the other. There's something powerful about the gaze of the other, which is what happens in therapy. But I think it's also what happens often in church. In, in moments of prayer, there's this gaze of the other where someone is looking at you, looking into you, seeing you, the real you, perhaps, in a moment of profound vulnerability. The gaze of the other refers to the way that, that, that others, the impact that others have on our sense of self when we get vulnerable and share intimate details of our lives with others, especially our sufferings, we begin to perceive ourselves and our sufferings differently. We feel seen. We feel heard. And that can be really powerful. That can be really therapeutic. This is actually what happens in AA and in recovery programs by just being in a community with others where you're honest about your brokenness and your sufferings. There's healing that takes place in those waters simply by the gaze, through the gaze of the other and bearing witness and that kind of empowerment happens. I think that's part of what prayer is about that's part of the power of prayer. We all have, I think as human beings, regardless of culture, we all have an innate desire to be seen, to be recognized. We're social animals and we're social animals because our survival depends upon it. It always has. In this way, simply sharing our our deepest feelings and thoughts with someone, like in in a therapeutic setting, or in a church. This is a therapeutic setting. Moments of prayer. That can be really healing and cathartic. And I think often, again, that's what prayer is about. Bearing witness, the gaze of the other, being present with each other in moments of suffering, hearing each other, seeing each other. This is a way that we bear each other's burdens. And in this way, God bears our burdens because we're bearing each other's burdens. God, through us, is bearing our burdens in the way that we love and care for each other, through prayer, but through through just being there, just being there, hearing, being present being a compassionate, empathetic ear. The final aspect of prayer I want to touch on today, and affirm, has nothing to do with saying prayers, and has more to do with living prayer, embodied prayer. I think perhaps the deepest understanding of prayer, Christian prayer, is about seeing one's life itself as a kind of prayer. Jacques Derrida a French philosopher from the 20th century, one of the fathers of what became known as post-structuralism and post-modernism. He loved the idea of prayer, even though he wasn't a religious person. He was pretty much an atheist. <laughs> but he loved this idea of prayer. And thought of prayer as a way of life, he put it, he put it this way. We spend our whole lives inviting, calling, promising, Hoping, sighing, dreaming, invoking, provoking, creating, producing, naming, assigning, demanding, prescribing, commanding, sacrificing. We spend our whole lives doing this. To this list, we can add praying, weeping, seeking. We spend our whole lives like this. Because it's all a kind of prayer, he believed, an embodied kind of prayer. In other words, to to live and to hope and to dream is to pray. To have hope in something. To have hope in life itself. To dream. This is a way of praying. This too is a kind of prayer. In fact, we may say that the essence of all prayer, all true prayer, regardless of the form it takes, is a way of hoping and longing. It's an expression of hope. And and a deep kind of longing for something, for something yet to come, for something yet to be, for the impossible, perhaps, the so-called impossible. To pray is to say, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't have a prayer. This is is how prayer works. It's to say, I don't have a prayer. (laughs) This is all I got. God, where are you? Can anybody hear me? It's, it's a cry of the heart for something. It's an act of hope. It's a call. This is what prayer is. When we hope and long for truth, when we hope and long for love to reign supreme in the world, when we work to bring goodness and justice and righteousness and truth to bear, to, to be, this too is a kind of prayer, an embodied kind of prayer. When we fight for justice, when we march, when we stand up for what's right in a public forum, this too is a kind of prayer, an embodied kind of prayer. It's a way of hoping that another world is possible and that we can perhaps bring a little bit of it to be in our actions. This too is prayer, perhaps the deepest kind of prayer, an embodied prayer. This is the way that we answer our prayers and the prayers of others, even the prayers and the tears of God. And what an interesting idea is that, that maybe even God prays. Do we not find Jesus praying in the Gospels? Praying to God, but also praying to us? That we might actually be the hands and feet of God in the world, that we might actually embody God's spirit and God's love and God's justice in the world? Is this not what we find Christ himself, God himself doing? In the flesh, praying, not just for us, but to us. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the night of his arrest and betrayal, is praying, pouring his guts out, sweating drops of blood. And who does he turn to for help? But us, his disciples. He says to his closest of friends, could you not stay awake and keep watch with me for just one hour? Here we find God, weak and alone in the world, begging us to be present with him in his sufferings. This, too, is a kind of prayer, perhaps the deepest kind of prayer. This is what I think Paul might have meant when he says in 1 Thessalonians, I pray without ceasing. I think he was talking about an embodied kind of prayer, where our very lives are an act of prayer, a kind of hope, a way of bringing love into the world, making the world a little bit better. So those are my thoughts on prayer today. <laughs> um, and we've already done communion, so we're going to move right into, if you're interested in talking about this, uh, if you have any questions or comments about it, I'd love to hear you know, maybe what your thoughts are about prayer, how you've worked through prayer, where you're you're at with prayer. It's a broad topic. I don't know. Any any thoughts or questions about that today? Yeah, Jason, let me get you a mic. Try this one. I pray it works.
2: (laughs) I have a ton of thoughts about this topic. Oh, good. But I won't give you all of them. Um, I don't think you're critical enough about prayer in evangelical churches. I think it's... um, designed to make you submit to um whatever it is that the evangelical church is pushing i think it's like worship music i was taught that your prayer has to be emotional and you have to be invested in it uh, or else it doesn't count if you're not praying from your heart it's not a real thing you know and you know you talked about having to say the magic code in order to get to god I think that kind of prayer um is sort of reaffirming for you that you live under in subservience to this structure and i think that's harmful
1: i hear you saying it's kind of manipulative
2: yeah for sure Um, you know like you have to have this uh relationship of subservient to this almighty power type thing anyway I have a really hard time with prayer I think it's generally I don't I don't like it I don't understand it anymore I still have done it (laughs) even post uh, deconstruction or whatever but I can't understand I don't understand it I don't know who I'm praying to Um, anyway and then the other point I wanted to make was just it occurred to me that the Lord's Prayer is a communal prayer it's not a me to God. It's deliver us from evil. It's give us our daily bread. Um, it's all about... It's, a, it's not talking me and God. It's talking us and God, right? And that bit at the end, thine is the power, the kingdom, whatever, I don't think is original. I think it's something the church added on. It's not in the, the scripture or whatever. So you leave that out, and the, the Lord's Prayer is basically like uh, more of a... I guess, a communal hope than an actual prayer, intercessory prayer. I agree.
1: It's more about that prayer is more about uh, us praying that we might actually be, you know, uh, just in the world. Like, forgive us our our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Even this idea of give us uh, this day our daily bread. Well, where's the bread coming from? The hungry are only getting fed if we bring it. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. and lead so, us not into temptation, but deliver, deliver us, us from, evil. from evil. The temptation is to not feed the hungry, <laughs> to practice selfishness and greed, and to not forgive, right, uh, you know, to, to not f- forgive those who trespass against us. That's the temptation. But again, you're right, Jason, that prayer is really about us.
2: Yeah, and, yeah. The, and specifically us, like it's not give me my daily bread, it's give us our daily bread, and I've never really thought about it from that point of view. Like how do you pray the Lord's Prayer as a people instead of as a person? Uh, I think it's an interesting thought.
1: Yeah, and I I would be willing to bet that Jesus of Nazareth didn't intend that prayer, and it's fine that it has become traditionalized into this kind of rote thing that we do as as liturgy, that's fine, but I don't think that was his intention when he gave it, right, or when it was written. Um, That's that's a complicated literary thing. but uh yeah really good points yeah yeah
2: like this is how we pray this, they asked them how do you pray yeah i said this is how you pray all of you do this thing say this thing be this thing together yeah there's no like paul talking to god
1: type yeah thing. that's good stuff other thoughts about prayer where you're at with it yeah Jason number two, right? You got it. <laughs> Thanks, Aiden.
0: Hi. Good morning. Thanks. Um, I'll kind of, I think prayer is big, right? Like you know, it's, it's, there's so many things I could say as, as Jason mentioned, and I'll, I'll piggyback on what Jason number one said about some critiques of prayer. You know, I think one that is a kind of a re or a, a recurring one that occurred to me a few years ago that. Still stays on my mind is, and may be considered probably like by some really like um, blasphemous or something. Is you know one thing that really bothered me at a certain turning point in my life was how I remember my grandmother or, or someone in the church or just generally along the path saying you know that when you prayed you you know you always you could only ask for things for other people, um, or you know you had to say like if it's in your will, God. And those are things that kind of later on in life, um, at certain points, I was like, does it really have to be like that? You know, if God is my friend and this ever-present consciousness and loving and caring and wants to be in connection, like, can I, you know, if I'm really, you know, when you're at your worst moments or your most emotional moments, um, do you want a friend who's gonna put obstacles in the way and say, well, you're gonna need to come at me like this? <laughs> you know, and if it's someone a family member that you really love or care about or a friend, you know, I think one of the characteristics of those beautiful relationships are when you can just go to them. Oh my God, this thing is going on, and I, and I really need your help. You know, and you can just throw yourselves on them or or put it out there, and that's to me that's a sign of a really beautiful con- direct connection or personal relationship. So that was one of the things I had to discard for myself because um, that was really getting in the way of me just. You know, talking to God, you know, and having a conversation and being my whole self, in like you would with, you know, someone that you care about and they care about you. You know, like those really intimate, close relationships where you can let go of a lot of that formality. And not to say that you know, all those other there's time and place, and it's a very noble thing to want to teach children. You know, you should really be thinking of others, right? There's a lot of value to all those kinds of things, but in especially as we get into like today as adults in this like highly abstract demanding world with all of our uh, you know social media and television all these influences that are demanding that we be this or be that and just a lot of which i think gets internalized for many of us and becomes a constant pressure to you know you have to do this like this you have to do that like that you have to you know so i think to be able to shed all that and just you know Talk to God about what's going on. I think can be, and I get rid of all the noise. and Can be really beautiful and special, right? I mean, that's what you say to someone like a, a kid or a friend when they're like stuck in their head. You're like, just talk to me, you know. And I, I, so I like to bring it back to that. To just really like sometimes, depending on the situation. But like, you know, a really personal, intimate connection.
1: But, but it sounds like that works for you. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Sometimes. There's
1: sometimes. Times no, I, I got gotcha. you. Sometimes. Know, but that, that's most, yeah I think that's great. That's really cool. I'm glad you shared that. Um, that's, that's a unique perspective, thank you. Yeah, other, others today. Yeah, Aubrey. Uh, Jason, would you mind passing that forward? Thank you.
3: Hi guys, good morning. Um, yeah, I, was, uh, I feel like I, I resonated a lot with what Jason won was saying about like struggling a lot with prayer. Um, I was not raised in a religious um, family, so I feel like I didn't know how. I didn't know the magic words to access God or how I was supposed to do it, what I was supposed to do. Um, But kind of throughout my spiritual journey, um, I sort of redefined what prayer was and what it meant for me. And I sort of kind of let go of, needing to hold myself accountable if I'm doing it right or wrong um, and I mean sometimes I still struggle with that I'm like is there you know a right way is anyone listening um, but I've kind of I don't know I've kind of just um, accepted that that's part of the spiritual kind of wonder of religion and um, I I sort of kind of take prayer now as sort of almost like a uh, energy exchange for me where I, I feel like I'm Sending out, you know, like when I'm praying for people praying for things. I'm sending out that energy and um, You know, it's almost the opposite of what I thought prayer was of self-serving of asking for things I'm sort of doing the opposite with that time very intentionally to kind of help others and think about others um, and sending my energy and healing that way Um, Yeah, and so I feel like it's it's been helpful for me to feel more connected to the universe um, and to hopefully be on that frequency to also receive, you know, love, healing, intention back, uh, whatever that means. And again, that's just my own little, uh, personal, obscure brand of prayer.
1: So that's great. Yeah. And thanks, Aubrey, for sharing thanks. that. Yeah. Somebody else. okay every week we end our time together here our i guess i want to say like our formal time together service time together with this prayer it's really kind of a prayer actually, because it ends with amen (laughs) but this is a benediction and benediction means like um a blessing um a prayer of blessing to end and to um gather together we we say this together as a way of praying Um, as we finish our service, together as an active community. So let let us bless each other with this now. As we go from this place, we commit ourselves to the path of love, honesty, and humility. We dedicate ourselves, as Christ did, to the cause of justice and the courageous embrace of this life, this world, and each other. Amen. Go in peace.